This is Industry Matters, powered by VGM, a podcast about community, belonging, and connections. VGM is a member service organization uniting large and small, durable and home medical equipment providers across the nation. VGM also serves the respiratory, complex rehab, wound care, women's health mastectomy, home accessibility, and orthotics and prosthetics communities. Today I'm joined virtually by CEO of VGM Group, Mike Malero, as well as the president of VGM Fulfillment, Jeremy Stoltz. Jeremy, can you give us a glimpse of what VGM Fulfillment Operations has been like the last 60 days? It's been exciting. It's also been challenging. We've got, obviously, the challenges that any of these other essential businesses are facing, we're facing those too. What do you think, from a change perspective, what has had the most impact on the business? We've had people that we've had to quickly move from an office environment to working from home. Some people who have never worked from home in their lives are working from home. We've got 35, EGM Fulfillment has 35 people working from home today. Prior to that, we had two. And I think that's been challenging, but man, they've done a, a great job of, of adapting to it. It was it was really difficult at first. And um, EGM's IT department's incredible, and they've done a great job of helping us get used to that. And a lot of the stuff I think that we're probably missing was just sort of convenience type stuff, physical, you know, proximity type stuff, being really easy to walk out to the warehouse and talk to a team leader or supervisor about an order. Now they've got to do that in a different way. So they've adapted to it. I think that's been that's been challenging, but it's gone really well. It's been really challenging to stay engaged with, with our workforce, the, the 115 workers that are going into distribution centers every day in Waterloo, uh, Nashville, and Phoenix. That's been a challenging piece of this. But uh, again, they've done a great job of, of adapting and and we're getting through it. So I'd say, I'd say the work from home piece and then not being able to be close to our production workers on the floor has been really tough. How about handling employee morale for those employees that can't work from home? I'd say we're doing a good job of it. I, do, I think there's a lot of things we can do better next time around. Uh, we'll, we'll all huddle here when we have time to kind of uh, maybe do a sort of post-crisis sit down here and figure out exactly what went well and then what we we could have done a lot better. And I think that's one piece, Wendy, that we're really going to focus on uh, because it does feel like there's there's something that, you know, sort of missing there as far as for the last 11 years. That's the first thing I've done in the morning is walk around our Waterloo location and, and try to check in with everybody on the floor. And that helps me get a good sense of what the, what the team looks like for that day. And I haven't been able to do that so selfishly. It's been, it's been tough for me. We've done a good job of, uh, in the last six to the 10 months or so, we've done a good job of uh, increasing our technology and our reach to our employees who we can't maybe see face-to-face every day. We use Microsoft SharePoint. We have television monitors all around the, the warehouses that we can put relevant content up. VGM is constantly putting out fun facts and contests and games. And, and then also pandemic information is very important for our employees to know about. Um, we're, we're getting that to where they can see it. Uh, these are people that don't sit in front of computers at all. And so getting to them has been challenging. We use text messaging a lot. But we used to have, you know, pre and post team meetings every day where you get a group of people, sometimes, you know, 30, 40 people in a room and you talk about how the day went, how the day is gonna go, and we haven't been able to do that at all. So a lot of the communication now is through masks and, and from a safe distance. So our team leads and supervisors and managers 
on the production side of our business have had to adapt and, and try to get their messaging to those employees in that way. So I think we're doing good. I think we'll do things a lot better next time. Right. Definitely. Planning for the future. Mike, you recently participated as a fulfillment employee on the front line. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Well, I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun. Anytime you get to do something completely different with new people, learning new things, there's there's just some fun and excitement in that, and that's that's what I had. It was it was brand new. But a couple key takeaways, I guess I would have. One, I was really heartened by the the safety that we have in place at our fulfillment center. In terms of when I came in, I showed up for my shift. I was my temperature was taken immediately along with everybody else. Uh, there was screening questions, just an extra precaution to make sure that. People are thinking about what they might be bringing into the warehouse. And then once I was in the facility, there was a, certainly people are interacting, but we, we all had masks on. We had good social distancing. I had my shipping station. There was my shipping station for the evening. I worked that station the whole time. Nobody else did. So, yeah, there's some cross-contamination possibilities, but it's pretty limited. So I was really happy with the safety side. Another thing that stood out was just the, the scope of operation. The amount of inventory that we have in that facility is is huge. The number of SKUs, very significant. And then when you're standing there shipping, you get, a, you get a sense of the magnitude of the coverage. Box or an envelope to Pennsylvania, then Connecticut, then to Mississippi, then to Minnesota, then to Montana. So... Box after box, you just got the the sense of the scope of what we're touching and what we're we're shipping to. And then the other thing that stood out that I want to mention is just the way we the way our folks have things set up down there really makes it sort of dummy proof. So somebody like me could come in, and within about a half hour, I really had a sense of the job. I had my assignment, and I was able to do my do my work uh, effectively and. You know, I, not as quick as a lot of the other people, but as quick as I could go. And there's a lot of checkpoints in there and sort of dummy proof to make sure if I did make a mistake that it was kicked out somehow and blocked and really gave me a, a sense of the accuracy and the ability to make it very reliable for our customers because of all these check balances in place. Great. Jeremy, for those that might not be aware, what type of of SKUs and items are we shipping out of our fulfillment warehouses? Great question. We've got about 3,000 SKUs, mostly CPAP resupply items from many different manufacturers. So if there's a CPAP CPAP resupply item that's made that patients want, it's likely that we have it in stock in that that warehouse, and and most likely we have uh, most of those SKUs in stock in our other two warehouses as well. We also stock some oxygen supplies and breast pumps and some other things that were not nearly as uh, heavy in from a volume standpoint today, but things that PGM members and our customers have asked us. We started doing. We're also one of just a couple national distributors for the Soclean machine, and that's been that's become a very big, very important part of our business. Very important product for for DMEs, and we're proud to be one of those distributors that's able to to support that. That makes up another 25 SKUs or so. Tell us a little bit about what volume has done in the last 60 days. So 
Are we finding that people needing these supplies through this channel has increased more than ever or the opposite? Yeah, you know, our volume has increased. We look at, you know, if we compare March and April to March and April of last year, we're up both 60% of order volume, volume shift. And um, so we way up because that national distributor piece is a fairly recent development for our business. That one is astronomically up above year over year. But, um, but the volume was higher than we had projected. And I think uh, a lot of it has to do with the pandemic and the way that our customers have adapted. You know, the unfortunate part of, of people not working is that they're they're not working. The fortunate part of that for our customers is that they're home and they're able to get a hold of them. And a lot of those patients that weren't resupplying their masks and filters and tubing as frequently now are resupplying because A because they're home and they're and they're answering the phone or they're they're responding. B because they're worried about germs and, and the hygiene of their therapy and getting new clean stuff is is important to them right now, more important than it's ever been. Same thing goes for a device like a soaking machine that cleans the, the whole system with, with ozone and it makes people feel better about the therapies. I think all those factors might be probably contributing to the volume growth. Mike, I wanted to go back to you quick. I know when I heard that you were working at Fulfillment, it reminded me of the show Undercover Boss. So for those that haven't heard about that show, it's where CEOs of large corporations are filmed and disguised, stepping out of their normal executive duties to work with frontline employees, and a lot of them end up learning things about the business they normally wouldn't experience. Now, while you weren't undercover, I assume there were still some things that perhaps were a little eye-opening. Can you share any of those? First of all, I'll say it was kind of like that show because I, the first night I showed up, I worked two shifts, but the first night... I was undercover because I can tell you for sure most of those people had no idea who I am. Yeah, they could care less. It's a lot of 18 to 25 year old young men and women that they got, they came in, they had their job to do, they had their shift to work. And well, I got, a, I got a kick out of it. I like being anonymous. I don't like the fact that people treat me differently because they know my position. In this case, it really was. Uh, and, and I just was really struck by the, the way people hustled in our in our fulfillment center. I mean, they walked in, they knew they had a job to do. Again, these are a bunch of young people. They walked in, did their job, went right to the right to work, and there was a real seamless flow of people moving from one spot to another as workflow dictated it. So there was a young man working down the, a little bit down the aisle from me. Uh, he was working a, 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 a automatic envelope filler when when that those racks got completed, he immediately switched over. He wasn't what waiting to be told what to do. He just switched over to a different shipping station and did boxes. And when when he worked that down and there was some more stuff at the auto bagger, he went back to the auto bagger. When cardboard had to be picked up because it was accumulating, he, he got up and did his work. And and that was one example of twenty five people really doing the same thing, just very autonomous self starters, hustlers. And that was exciting. I really appreciated that. That's awesome. What about customers? So I would like to hear from both of you on, Jeremy, from your perspective, how customers are doing and how you see their business shifting beyond the COVID-19 pandemic. And then, Mike, I'd like to hear from you on across VGM and all of its divisions serving customers, what we're hearing from a more uh, diverse section from the rest of the company. So Jeremy, if you want to start and then, and then Mike, you can answer from the broader perspective, that would be great. 
when I talk to our customers, it really feels like they're struggling with a lot of the same things that, that we are. So they had to quickly figure out, a bunch of them had to quickly figure out how to get their employees working from home, and some of them had never done that before. It's been a challenge for some of our customers, but they've, they've figured it out. And I think, you know, the other piece of it, how to come in contact with patients safely, uh, that's been a difficult piece for them to, when I mean, they've been doing business the same way for, for many, many years, to have to change how they do things. And, um, but they've done a great job of modifying things and, and keeping themselves, their employees, and their patients safe. I think um, the customers that I've spoken to through this really seem like they're they're struggling, but they're they're getting through it. And I do hear, you know, they're also um, hungry for for information and, and translated information. And, and, and BGM has done a, a great job of being sort of a beacon for customers to look toward for for information. So uh, I think that piece that that's been consistent in almost everyone that talk to how appreciative they are of the work that BGM has done to, to get information to them because that can be one of the scariest parts about going through something like this is confusion and not knowing uh, what what to believe and what's right and, and what should I care about and what should I ignore. And Awesome. What about you, Mike? Well, I think all across America, people are concerned first about safety and the health of of their families and the people that they work with. So, you know, originally when this started coming out in, in February and March, I think a lot of concern over safety of, of people. And then I sort of expand that to safety and security. So once you get past the issues of figuring out how you're going to keep yourself safe and starting with a lot of focus on hand washing and then, some, and then focus on distancing and PPE and and the like, it sort of pivots to what else is in safety and security. For example, a tremendous number of people, including our in our workforce and our customers' workforce, all of a sudden schools are closed and people and most daycares are closed and kids are home. And people are working from home or mostly working from home or they have a job like in BGM for Thermal where they're not working from home, but they still have to deal with this disruption to the children and and homeschooling and no daycares and all those sorts of things. So that's really disruptive and it makes people worried about security and, and the safety of their kids and what they're going to do. And then there's this overriding issue of financial safety and security. And that's coming into the forefront more now in the last couple of weeks where I think there's some recognition that we kind of understand the safety side better and the health side better. But then what is this going to mean for, for financial health and security today and going forward. And there's a huge desire among everybody to make sure that all things are being done from their companies, from their their government, from everybody that is taking into account financial security and making sure that we can come out the other side of this. But, you know, the big thing in our, in our customer base, I think, across all segments is the visits to healthcare providers have declined precipitously. So we're going to see some backlog issues in terms of people that didn't go to sleep labs, people that didn't get evals done on their on their from their therapist and those sorts of things during March and April, May. But those things got delayed and then that's gonna have a, a little bit of a lagging effect on things like New CPAP setups that Jeremy mentioned, wheelchairs being built and fitted for patients and 
all sorts of things that a lot of a lot of what medical equipment providers or physical therapists or any kind of post-acute health care, a lot of that is driven first by a visit to a doctor or some other medical professional, and whether that be a sleep lab, doctor's office, therapist. It starts there, and then the equipment or the therapy or the other post-acute health follows. And so some of that pipeline has been disrupted, and we're going to see the impact of that uh, over the course of the summer and, and possibly into the fall. Very interesting. Going back to what you said at the beginning, it's almost like we're going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and understanding that each person, and in our case, each employee is on a different spot on that pyramid as they're trying to work through themselves at home before you even really start to think about yourself at work. But amazingly, people all across America are rallying and rallying behind what needs to be done in their own way and doing the best that they can. And I think that's going to help us ultimately come out of it sooner than, than we would have otherwise come out of it. Yeah, I agree. Outside of fulfillment, VGM was able to transition an impressive 90% of its workforce to remote capability. And this was done in very little time and from my perspective, very little disruption. Can you talk about some of the biggest contributing factors to this and how that was accomplished? Technology infrastructure. We spent ridiculous, feels like ridiculous amounts of money over the last five years to upgrade our technology infrastructure. And every time we made a decision to make an additional capital investment, it hurt a little bit. And we talked about a lot of those and struggled with some of those, but we did. At the time, we did what we thought was the right thing in terms of building that infrastructure, that security structure, and it turned out it paid off because when we needed to pivot to home, I don't want to say it was seamless because there was a lot of people working, running real fast behind the scenes, but we were able to do it really well. A lot of that investment we had to make was really at the demands of the, the payer community, which is what HomeLink, our HomeLink division serves, serving big insurance companies. and. To have the, the security and the reliability that they demanded we have in order to do business with them, we had to make a lot of those investments. So it turned out those investments were, were very worthwhile. And I think another thing that is part of the success story is our people turned out to be very adaptable and resilient. Those were qualities that I suppose we've always appreciated those qualities in people, but I think during this pandemic, adaptability and resilience have come forward as uh, more essential traits than maybe ever before. And fortunately, our people had a lot of those traits. And then and then just, I think, uh, another characteristic of our team is very much a servant mindset. And we, we're here to serve customers. Uh, we're here to serve members. And it's all about that service and that servant mentality. And so... Now there's a big disruption. There's a big advance. People need help. Okay, I'm in. What do I need to do? And that's that's sort of the mindset of 99% of our people is how can I serve? How can I serve the member? How can I serve the customer? And tell me what I need to do and I'll do that. We were actually talking to a member yesterday, Joel Gallion from Bellevue Healthcare. And he said that they have a sign as you walk into their main location that says start with yes. And that was that ended up being their mantra through 
and and still is today just through this pandemic. It was early on in Washington, but that's basically what they told their employees is don't forget, start with yes. Let's figure out ways to serve before we figure out ways to say no. That's such an important message. I'm glad, though, you have that great company up there in Washington. I, I use the phrase coming from a place of yes. And you, can, you can always have a mindset of coming from a place of yes. It's just going to make you such a better servant and give you such a better ability to help other people. Because you're starting from a point of how, how do we figure out how to make this work? Not let me tell you some reasons why we can't do that. So to wrap this up a little bit, can you talk to us from your perspective, Mike, of where you think we are headed as an industry or where we should be headed, perhaps? Like any big disruptive events, it creates opportunity. And I think one of the sort of central mega trends that will come out of this event, and there are many big changes, our, our world won't go back to exactly the way it was. It won't completely change, but it, it's definitely going to be a different world, and one of the main megatrends is going to be more healthcare at home, and, and that's going to take many different forms. But more healthcare at home, it will be a will be a standard, and that's going to create a lot of opportunities for the people that can service the home, can put equipment in the home, can monitor equipment in the home, uh, can set up people on equipment and explain it and service it and support it. And that's that's our customer base. That's our member base. And so tremendous opportunities will have to will have to all be on the lookout for what those look like. But it's all about more of the stuff being done at home versus in the hospital versus in a care facility nursing and that sort of thing. And I think that sort of leads or goes hand in hand with then healthcare continuing to be more consumer-directed, more consumer-centric. We've been on a trend of that over the past decade, but I think this accelerates that. People demanding more customization, if you will, or more improved user experience and patient experience, customer experience in terms of how they're receiving and, and taking in and accessing their health care. It will be it will be improved experience starting with being more at home, but I think one of the things providers are going to have to do is figure out ways to create a better experience, and I think that will be I think it's been a competitive advantage, but it will become a more differentiating point of competitive advantage a few years from now than it, than it was say right before this pandemic. Customer experience, user experience. How do we make it more centric to what the customer wants and needs versus what is easier for us or what the referral source directed? It's really going to be more about what the customer wants and needs. Jeremy, do you have anything to add in terms of the fulfillment business and your customers and how they best plan and prepare for the future? I would say that racing technology that's out there that's available to them Anything from patient outreach to workflow management to becoming more automated and, and uh, process-minded with the way that they bill to telehealth to everything from handling patient the, the care with patients in the home like Mike talked about, but handling that uh, with technology to even setting CPAP machines remotely 
Um, our providers have had to adapt to do that. Many of them have done that. Some of them, have been, some of the providers have been forced to do that through this this uh, terrible event that we're going through. But I think coming out of it, they're going to be better because of it. VDM has solutions and partnerships and all these things that I just mentioned, and I think uh, going forward will be a nice partner for them. Thank you both so much for your time today. I know that this will be really impactful for our listeners to hear. So I appreciate your time and I hope that you stay safe there at home and have a great afternoon. Thanks. Thank you, Lindy.